Welcome to How to Live with the Rich, a limited series podcast about how the middle class can actually, practically, and biblically help the poor. I am your host, Beck Isaacson, and welcome to the show. Welcome back to How to Live with the Rich and what is our second ever bonus episodes. These episodes not only come out on a different day of the week, but they are also much shorter because they don't have all of the extra stuff. They are designed to be short and sweet and straight to the point. And today is going to be all about what I'm calling the misconception, which is essentially where Jesus says, you will always have the poor with you. And we are going to talk about exactly what that means. And I'm putting this bonus episode right here because we are obviously coming right off the back of our four-part series on the Bible. And so it seemed like a really great fit. So welcome, welcome, welcome. And so to start off, I'm going to take you back to Alaska today, which is absolutely one of my all-time favorite places on this earth. And I cannot remember if I've mentioned it before, but my husband is actually from Alaska, so I have had the true privilege of visiting there a number of times. But this one time we were there visiting his family, and this one Sunday before church, we ended up in this old church basement with these old church people for what would be one of the most discouraging and enraging mornings of my entire life. And they were doing this book study on the global poor, and I I cannot for the life of me remember what book they were looking at, but upon reflection of Jesus saying that the poor you will always have with you, they concluded with absolute certainty that because Jesus said the poor will always be around, we should absolutely believe him and therefore not worry too much about it because it seemed to them that having the poor was a promise from Jesus Christ himself and therefore who could disagree with it? Well, obviously, I disagree with that because that is kind of the point of what this entire podcast uh, is all about. And so that is the topic I want to talk about today. And in his fantastic book, Hope Rising, which I guess should be a little resource room moment, uh, but in this book, which I highly recommend, the author Scott Todd outlines in great detail the huge and immense problem that surrounds this one tiny little line in scripture. And it is so, so true. I mean, he points out, as I have also observed, that this one verse is what comes to mind for most Christians when they are asked about the poor. And to me, oh my gosh, you guys, this is absolutely heartbreaking uh, because most often it is used and understood completely out of its context, which as you know, or as you should know, it that is never ever a good idea. And so let's unpack that a little bit. This scripture in question is found in Matthew 26, Mark 14, and John 12. And in order for us to understand what it really means, of course, we need to place it within its full context. 
And so this moment happens when Jesus is in a place called Bethany and he's at the home of Simon the leper. And this was just days before he was crucified and at a time where the chief priests and the elders were scheming to capture and kill him. And in this story, there is a woman named Mary who comes to him with a jar of very expensive alabaster perfume and she anoints him with it. She does this beautiful thing where she pours it on his feet and she wipes it up with her hair. And the fact that she did this made the disciples very angry, specifically Judas, as it says in John's account. And in fact, he, potentially Judas, or they, the disciples, demanded to know why this woman had wasted what was highly expensive perfume. Mark actually tells us that it was worth more than an entire year's worth of wages. And they tell her very angrily that instead of anointing Jesus' feet with it, she should have sold it and given that money to the poor. And it is at this point in the narrative that we come to verse 10, which I'm going to be reading from Matthew's account. And it says this, Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And so then right after this passage, Judas betrays Jesus and then the Last Supper is held. What is very sad and very ironic is the fact that Judas betrayed Jesus for what is about one third the value of Mary's perfume. John's account also tells us that Judas said all of this not because he actually cared about the poor, but because, quote, he was a thief as keeper of the money bag he used to help himself to what was put into it. And thus this comment was made not even out of concern for the poor, but essentially out of greed. But nonetheless, Jesus, of course, does say the line in question. He says, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And that is out of John. Now, again, it is absolutely essential that we place this one line of scripture within its proper context because Jesus is clearly saying to those around him that this beautiful act of Mary's was to be treasured and remembered because he wouldn't always be with them. As in their time together was extremely limited, which was true. I mean, we know that. The disciples and those who were present at this time had their entire lives to care for the poor, as they should, but they did not have their entire lives to care for Jesus because, as we know, his time was very near, it was very limited, and this is extremely significant because when you place this line of scripture within its context, it absolutely comes alive. I 1000% believe that Jesus saying that the poor you will always have with you was not intended to be this all-encompassing eternal promise. It just can't be as this would go directly against so many of his other teachings, not to mention the entire narrative of scripture, which we have just spent a lot of time unpacking over the last couple of weeks. And additionally, if this were an eternal promise, it would be very 
bad news for all of us because, again, the full sentence of this statement is, the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. So if we take this scripture to mean that Jesus said we will always have the poor among us, then we also must take the rest of that scripture to believe that we will also not have Jesus. And this would obviously be terrible and devastating, but also extremely odd considering that the last thing he said before he ascended in Matthew 28 was, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And therefore, we are left in this position where we have to choose. If the poor are always to be with us, then we do not always have Jesus. Or we can choose to believe that this verse was spoken in a very specific time in which the people present would always have the poor among them, but would not always have Jesus in the flesh. Now, (laughs) just to be sassy, that's who I am. There is, of course, a third option. We can choose to believe that Jesus changed context and time mid-sentence and therefore meant something along the lines of, you will always have the poor among you forever and ever, but you will not always have me in the flesh and for a time, but then I'm going to rise back to life and then I will never leave you or forsake you. I mean, come on, you guys, it's ridiculous. And yet this is what so many people have decided to make of this passage. They have taken this one tiny little line in scripture, they have blown it completely out of its historical context, and they have used it as an eternal excuse to ignore the global poor. It is heartbreaking, and honestly, it's also a little bit infuriating. Scott C. Todd puts it perfectly with this. He says, quote, We have taken Jesus's words to Judas and have used them to enshrine our anemic expectations for the world's poorest people. He goes on to point out that the cost of that dinner party turned out to be neither 30 pieces of silver nor a year's income of expensive perfume, but the cost of, quote, children's lives 2,000 years later as a result of fatalistic thinking because followers of Jesus would accept a peculiar misinterpretation of his words. Such an odd interpretation that doesn't line up with any of Jesus' teachings or his actions concerning the poor. And so to conclude this bonus episode, this one line in scripture was not an eternal commentary on Jesus' unconcern for the global poor and taking it as such not only pulls the words of Jesus out of their intended context, but it also deeply misrepresents his heart, not to mention the 2,000 plus other scriptures that exist about justice and righteousness and caring for the poor. And so to summarize, do not take things out of context. Jesus cares about the poor. (laughs) And on that note, I will see you guys next Tuesday for an episode on justice and righteousness. Thanks for being here for our little bonus. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. And as always, I am super thankful that you are here.